We don't have enough time. There's no time. Yeah, there's never enough time. There's never enough time. Do you know what that's from? <laughs> yeah, time cut. Nice! <laughs> I legit did not know that that was her husband. Like, I like when I first saw it, I mean, I was, you know, whatever, 16 or so, but I, I thought that she was cheating on her husband. When she was like, if I turn around and my husband's not here, I'll go home with you. And she turns around and she's like, you'll do. And then it shows them like in bed together. Uh, I was like, I was so confused. <laughs> like the second they leave the, the scene, they should have had a guy walk up and like look around <laughs> and then cut, like just leave it ambiguous, right. you know? Cause this is before cell phones. So yeah. So he walks yeah. up and he's like, what? Uh, like looking around confused. Yeah, look at the watch. Right. Look at, you know? Yeah. So good. Time cop. Anything else to say about time cop? Uh, kind of the next part or read between the lines or the part right before it. Like, again, I did not get that the first time I saw it. I think cause I didn't know that phrase read between the lines, but he's like, read the shoe. He's Wolverine read between the lines. I was like, what? The, the, Wolverine what? is a single word. How do you read between the lines? <laughs> well, it's like, where's the subtext in this? I'm having trouble finding it. Maybe <laughs> right. you can walk me through it. <laughs> uh, we're not talking about that episode. Never mind. I was going to say, speaking of walking through it, but hey, what are we talking about? Uh, well, <laughs> what what even are we doing? What is this, Paul? Would you care to? Since I told everyone last time, <laughs> I feel like it's only fair. Well, Jonathan, uh, this is the measure of an episode. I should have known. Where that. it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek genuine Star Trek, and not just television. <laughs> television. <laughs> With just a twinge of disappointment, but expected disappointment. Not just television. (laughs) I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. And we do this using three criteria, which is kind of put on the back burner for these episodes. But it's still. uh, Is the sci-fi presented in a unique or is it, uh, sorry, is it explored and not just a skin on the episode? Is it presented in a unique and novel fashion? And... Is there an ethical or moral dilemma that a character faces? I am Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And this week, we watched Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. Disengage. (laughs) Which Engage do you want? (laughs) Engage sucks. Engage is stupid. Hey, hey, don't disengage. (laughs) I was wondering how we could make that work, and you found it. (laughs) You made it work. I... uh, I had a friend uh, – well, I still have a friend. But um, they had a roommate who would – they – oh, my gosh. Shh. Go ahead. <laughs> right? So my friend would go up to their roommate and be like, your teeth suck. They don't know how to chew. And he's like, stop. My teeth are very sensitive. Wow. Do we have any more of these? <laughs> these are great. I feel like this would be better than talking about this episode. A little bit. No, no, I'm being facetious. There were some moments in this episode that I did enjoy. Yeah, there are a couple of little things, little things I want to know, you know, some curiosities. Uh, Should we tell everybody what the blurb is of this episode? Or does anybody care? Does anybody care when we read the stupid blurbs? Uh, See, so here's here's how I feel about it. Like, I mean, yes, we should just because that's kind of our MO. But also, I feel like for the... New episodes, yes, absolutely. For the old episodes, yes, absolutely. For like the recent past episodes, it's kind of like, eh, you saw it, you know. I just don't know if people are going to go back. No, I know. And, yeah. yeah. Like they're not going to go read the blurb. Do you have it? No. 
No, okay. I don't have it. That's why I, I prompted you. <laughs> you're supposed to I, I threw it to you and you're supposed to take it. Okay, taking it. Aided by Seven of Nine and the crew of the USS Titan, Picard makes a shocking discovery that will alter his life forever. One it's also uh, the last he's also the last of the party on that well, sh- discovery. A shocking too. discovery that he has had before and altered his life for maybe a day or two. And puts him on a collision course with the most cunning enemy he's ever encountered. I, I mean, well, maybe the strongest, but I, I wouldn't know. Most cunning? Well, how do you know that? Right. Just with one exchange, one or two exchanges. Yeah. I mean, so far they've escaped successfully. Yeah. And the B plot is Rafi races to track a catastrophic weapon and collides with a familiar ally. Gosh, spoilers. Well, and <laughs> I wouldn't say collides. I mean, maybe colludes, but. Uh, well, I well, I guess it depends on who they're talking about. Also, familiar to whom? Right. I'm assuming Rafi doesn't know who Worf is. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're warning people about spoilers after the spoiler. Yeah, yes, yes, you probably shouldn't have heard that. Yeah. Well, they can just hit the 15 second back button. It's fine. <laughs> Here you go. Oh man, can what what would life be like if you? I mean, I guess it would just be people on endless loop. Of hitting that 15 second back. Like if you were able to do that to yourself, but you would constantly be like not knowing that you knew it. So you would learn it and then not know that you knew it and then learn it. Well, maybe the way you keep people from, you know, the reason that people wouldn't just keep hitting the back button is that you vomit for 11 minutes <laughs> after you do that. It doesn't have to be that long. And it, it compounds. So if you hit it twice, it's 22 minutes of vomiting, you know, so you, you can gain, you know, what did I, what, four, four seconds? 30 seconds. You know? But you're... Well, yeah, every time you hit it, you gain four you seconds. Could, you could gain a minute, but throw up for an hour. Is it really worth it? Right. So, if it, yeah, so if you want to go back a couple of years, you're, that's a real commitment <laughs> right there. I mean, you're basically throwing up for the rest of your life at that point. <laughs> well, that's the question. Do you also de-age yourself by 15 seconds? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're... you're uh, yeah. Okay, so you, you maintain your your memories and whatnot, your experiences, but you de-age, your body physiologically de-ages 15 seconds. No, like you're erasing those 15 seconds. So if you went back a year, you would lose that year of your life. You would be reliving that year, but you'd be throwing up for four. <laughs> well, no, you'd be, well, what, what, like if you, if you were wound exactly one year, how long would you be throwing up for? Oh, right. Uh, 60, it'd be 60 years. I, I'm at 11 seconds. That's, that's, I've always meant 11 seconds. Did I say 11 You minutes? did. Okay. So it's 11 seconds. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, so if still it's, a commitment. If you're still a commitment, right. You're still gaining four seconds every time. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's, it's a lot of vomiting if you want to go back a year. It is, but it's like, <laughs> that's why 15 seconds, you're vomiting for 11 minutes. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so you essentially get 266 days of vomiting for every 365. Right. So, so you're pretty much out of commission for three quarters of a year, but at least, you know, you get to get to redo that year. Right. Of vomiting. I mean, and the question is like, is your stomach upset and you are like, you are frequently vomiting or is it full on like time dilation, body slime expulsion for that time? It's like the scene in Team America in the back alley. Okay. Just for that entire time. Yeah, for 266 oh days, he's just nope. doing that. Yeah. Which is probably the, one of the most hilarious scenes in all of cinema. Yes. 
All right, let's talk about Stupid Picard. Okay, so Picard starts with a classic rock song. Yep. And they're doing this thing. I don't know if this is a reference again to First Contact because they've adopted the First Contact theme song for the theme song of Picard. Even though this show wasn't really about Borg and the First Contact movie was about Borg and Picard's relationship to the Borg. So I would think that if they're going to adopt its theme song, that it would share a theme perhaps. Right. Okay. okay. But it does not. And I, I thought that maybe opening up, I think this is the second time they've done it where they open up with not necessarily classic rock, but a pop song mm -hmm. um, is because the, uh, Zephyr Cochran, there's this whole kind of thing in first contact where he's always playing rock music, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. There's a scene in the bar. There's the scene when they're about to lift off in the their makeshift warp drive spaceship. Right, and he plays Sabotage by playing. Beastie Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> you knew that. See, I, I have no idea what he played, so I'm just going to go with that that is true. It's not even close, but yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right, I know. Um, but it's not. It's just annoying. Yep. It, feel, it doesn't feel very Star Trekian. It, it doesn't really fit. Right. I feel like you could do it with no music and it would be better. Yeah. The through line of all of our episodes is who is this for? Mm -hmm. what, what What are we trying to evoke here with these episodes? Everything about Picard is yeah is who is this for? And it's so irritating. the The thing for me about the music is. is it's 400 years old. Yeah. Like I can understand why they're doing it because everybody knows that. Song. Yes. I'm assuming everybody knows. Right. It. They're not choosing some sort of obscure classic rock. Song. Right. Right. But maybe just, we stop producing music. We just are like, this is enough. Yeah. In the Star Trek universe. Maybe like, in like 30 years from now, they're like, every chord has been put together. Every rhyme has been made. We are just, <laughs> we're not banning music. We are just no longer promoting the creation of new music. Maybe this is a, they're doing a slippery slope slash cautionary tale of, of AI because it very well could be that AI is making music or that AI makes it such that uh, composers or uh, bands in general just can't produce music anymore because it's not financially viable anymore because AI just makes music. Right. And so at a certain point we stop making it. The, um, the specialization, the, the industry falls out of favor and it just kind of goes into obscurity and that's it. And so we only have, we only have up to let's say 2050 of actual produced by humans music. So I, it still doesn't work for me. It's still stupid. Right. I, th I think the the bell riots of twenty thirty, AI has something to do with that. But I think you're right. Like, I mean, just kind of stepping away from Star Trek just a little bit. But that makes so much sense. Like, the AI would be able to synthesize and create any song that you wanted. You know, you could say like, "Hey, whatever it is right now, uh, what's it called Chat GPT." Yep. Uh, like, write me a song about. My girlfriend, you know, Elizabeth breaking up with me. Well, it can already write you lyrics. Right. That can that it can do. It can't write the music yet, but I'm assuming that is coming. Oh, before. of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, yeah. Yep. And that's that's both awesome and terrifying to think of. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that it's not creating out of nothing. It's creating it out of previous mm -hmm. works. And so eventually it will homogenize and it, everything will start sounding the same. And so possibly that you, that could explain why, there, why there's no uh, contemporary music in in fascinating right yeah. 
we eventually just sort of say, eh, it doesn't sound very good. I'm going back to the old stuff. Yeah. You know, kind of like what we're doing with, with Picard and Star Trek, which is like where they're not making new movies or new shows, new science fiction shows. They are going back to the old stuff. Yeah. And not doing it very well. So. <laughs> right. Depending on which one. This, th- no. sorry, you're right. This retreading the, or not retreading, digging up the old stuff is not be- being done very well. And what an opportunity, you know? I mean, we keep bashing on it. Let's, why don't we, instead of bashing on it, we just go through it and, and demonstrate. Bash it that way. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is, I think, I actually forgot. What happens at the first? I, like, I've already watched it. So I, I already forgot. The, so the, the very first thing is we get a stinger before the preview. We get like, the first couple seconds of the first episode, and then it goes to previously on Star Trek Picard, which was a missed opportunity, I think. Like, they have all of those words from Majel Barrett, and it would have been so great if, like, we're already hitting all those nostalgic vibes. Like, they might as well have just used Majel Barrett to say that. Majel? Majel? Anyway. Uh, well, they can do that. They can do that now. I mean, they I can, know. They made uh, a model of James Earl Jones's voice for Darth Vader because he said he didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to voice it. And so they have, I think one of the movies or one of the shows, the voice is computer generated and you can't tell. So they could do that with Majel Barrett. Maybe they feel that that's going too far. Um, I disagree. Right. But it could be very cool. And I would like uh, Majel Barrett, I would like for them to make a model so it reads me my emails in the morning. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. And yeah. you could just be like, computer, right. Oh, so good. Uh, But anyway, so they go through the preview, and then we hit uh, another kind of flashback of – do do we know his name yet? Of the dude. Jack? Well, right. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just – that's right. It's showing us that he is sort of a con man type of thing. Yeah, and he's been chased for a while now because that was two weeks ago. (laughs) Well, we don't really know how often he's had sex in that last two weeks. (laughs) Right. Um, and so then we go go back to the present with Picard and Riker and Jack. It's like meanwhile, fourteen weeks from now. I, it's such lazy writing to do it that way. Right. Also, did we need it? I don't you know? think so. I mean, I, don't I think, think he winds it. up explaining it later on in the episode too. Yeah. Once again, yeah. I feel like the stuff with this whole Jack thing—they're really trying to push the mystery of who is this kid and what is his background. And, and even if you don't know, it's telegraphed so much yeah. that it's not a surprise. Yeah, I just I'm kind of bored with it. There's mm-hmm. a whole scene between him and Picard in the prison cell where he sits down and they have a, a whole talk, and it's just boring. I, yep. just, I find myself kind of drifting off, and just it it's not like again with Strange New Worlds. There's probably just as many conversations that are character on character. But in the runtime of these conversations in episode is, two of Strange New World, the the second season, it's almost all dialogue, and it is captivating. I haven't seen it yet. Right. That's yeah. I'm trying not to spoil it for you. And that's why. Yeah. I'll try harder. <laughs> now I know they talk something about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, like to me, the most interesting stuff. I mean, okay. I guess we should talk about the villain. Let's do broad strokes. Here. Okay. The new villain, who I recognize the actress. I could not tell you what she She's one of those actors that seems like they've been in everything. Uh, but yet I do not know her name, nor could I tell you one thing that she's been in. 
I feel like that's where you tell me everything that she's. Been yeah, in. nope, I don't have it. Um, I feel like <sighs> she's she's been in a kid movie, and like that's how I know her. So I'll give you one more chance. Do you know who this person is? <laughs> I do actually. So, uh, so she's uh, the character's name is Vadik or, or Vadik, and she is played by Amanda Plummer. Does that sound familiar at all? I'm vaguely familiar, but so. I- probably the best thing that we would know her from is she's the murderous girlfriend in so i married an ex-murderer oh wait a minute is she the girlfriend in pulp fiction yes at the very okay. beginning of the- <laughs> i thought you were gonna That's say from so i married an ex-murderer <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny too no now okay that makes, that's where i know her from right that's the only thing not but- from so i married an ex-murderer I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, dude. I've seen like all of the different clips. Right. The funny ones, right. but I I don't think I've seen the whole movie. Okay. But yeah, she's also, yes, the girlfriend in Pulp Fiction, the one who uh, robs the diner bunch. with Tim Rothman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad we settled that. Right. And took time. <laughs> Only took 17 minutes. So we have to go 15 seconds back. Prepare yourself. <laughs> in the Grand Canyon, Canyon, Grand Canyon. She's great at the Grand Canyon. If you ever see her. Uh, I think she does the July 4th show. Right. She, no, she does the, the tours over the, the yeah. skywalk. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's how uh, you know her. <laughs> <laughs> the grand canon of Star Trek villains. She fits right in, I think. You know, if you think about Ricardo Monteblan as the character that he plays in the second Star Trek, <laughs> whose name I do not know. Oh, you think I should know it? They've made multiple movies about it. Um, Khan. There we go. It's this name is right in the fucking title. Right. Um, and, and you think about Q, you know. I th- and I think actually I've got to I've got to check this because I, I didn't think about it until just now. But I think actually she is the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who was Chang in Star Trek Six. He's the one who called you know cry havoc. Oh, all oh, right, yeah. yeah, and let loose. Yeah, he's very he's quite fabulous. Yes, he's quite fabulous. Yep. You know. So I think that also I noticed another thing I noticed is that for all of the villains who encounter Picard, only the fabulous ones actually pronounce his last name with a French Picard, accent. Right. Picard. <laughs> it's always like kind of like are they are they being condescending and mocking by doing that? Well, I think that's actually a, a vocal inflection from the Plummer family because if you remember the <laughs> – Kitty would say that's right <laughs> – Christopher Plummer, when he was talking to William Shatner, he was like Captain Kirk. Damn it. Forget that. Like, I was too busy laughing at it. It's like he's choking on something right. while he says it. Captain Kirk. <laughs> One more time. Right. Um, yeah. Inevitable. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I can't think of other people. I mean, even Picard doesn't. He says, my name is Jean-Luc Picard. He doesn't say it with a French accent. No, never. Yeah. It with a, yes. So does he even speak I, I French? I'm sure he does. Okay. I'm just trying to think if there's ever been a time in the show where like he he carries on any kind of conversation. He can do everything else. So why wouldn't he be able? Okay, to Okay, that's speak fair. French? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I liked her. I feel like this whole she doesn't do anything for the whole episode. She's kind of doing the same thing in every scene that she's in. She's supposed to be very menacing mm-hmm. and edging on lunatic crazy person. Yeah, cackling like although yep. we. Yeah, we kind of get the idea that she's smart, but still lunatic, kind of like the Joker. Mm-hmm. You, know, you kind of get a little Joker vibe. Well, yes, I, I, this felt less like she was twelve steps ahead, 
and more like she was nothing to lose. Well, she was the cat that caught the mouse, you know, like they were completely cornered and there was no chance of escape. And so she was just enjoying watching them squirm. Right. Yeah. So I have a gripe about that. What? Yeah. I never have those. So this whole trope of I've caught you, you have no, there's, there's no recourse for you. There's no, what's it called? Where you go back and forth negotiations, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but you have an hour to decide <laughs> what you want to do. It's like, why are you giving them an hour? Right. You have 10 seconds. Well, and right? you have 10 seconds to decide. That only happened because Shaw said, I want to know who we're dealing with. What if he had just said, okay, we've got him out of there. Let's get out of here. This isn't our fight. Like, we just want to be done. Well, but why does she give him a, give them an hour? Like, this is her whole trope is like, you have 38 hours to respond. It's like, what? I don't. Right. I don't, when you have, I understand when you're negotiating, you kind of have to give a little bit and take a little bit, that kind yeah. of thing. But she obviously has the upper hand. Why is she giving them an hour? Right. Well, and even, What's even the at the end where they have like, you know, whatever, 10 minutes, six minutes, something like that. She says something like, feel free to use up the rest of your time, but know that for every minute that you use, that will add to like your suffering or something like that. And she, she pops in at like half an hour left or something like that. Right. Doesn't she, or like there's time left on the clock. Right. And you're like, well, yeah. And she, she like, know that. instead of saying that at the beginning of it, you know, she's like, you have an hour, but just know that for every minute that you use of that, I'm going to be, I'm adding that to your suffering. See, you know, that makes sense as sort of, I'm going to toy with you type of right. thing, but you say that at the beginning, yeah. right. That's part of the sort of game. That's <laughs> right. the, <laughs> but the, she doesn't. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. I would have, I, I would have given them to you in five seconds. If I do yeah, that. that also would have given them a lot more tension and a lot more drama on the ship where Shaw would have right. been pushing them. Like, we don't need to have these conversations. You don't need to like do these things. We need to hand them over and be done. Yeah. I mean, Picard was like, when you have your one hour to decide whatever out and Picard was like, Oh, should we have tea? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm Shaw even does that. You know, he, he says, like, I want to we, – we need to find out why she's after him so much. And Shaw's like, well, you have an hour. You go talk to him. Right. Yeah. By the way, I have completely 180 flipped on Captain Dick. You love him? I love him. He's my favorite character of the whole show now. Oh. He's <laughs> – By far. He still gets under my skin. <laughs> well, here's why. I think that he went from just being a condescending kind of sniping dick mm-hmm. to being – first of all, he's being right about the situation. Sure. And second of all, he's kind of, kind of eased into this like sarcastic, I guess, mm-hmm. like he's but like exasperated sarcasm, you know, like he can't believe he has to do like do this again, you know, with these guys, you know, oh the antics I have to put up with, like he's the only straight man, and right, well, yeah, he's like the big brother or yeah. the babysitter or something, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I like it. I'm on on board with Captain Dick. I hope he doesn't die. So I'm I'm on board with everything that you're saying. What I'm not on board with is that moment that I said. Like because if he is that by the book, he would not have said like, you know, I he wouldn't have said I want to see who we're dealing with. Whatever. Just kind of saying like I I need to talk to this enemy to explain like why we took those people off of the ship and what our intentions are. Not just being super smug about it. Like hang on, I want to know who we're dealing with. Um, and then to jump to the end, to have that complete heel turn, because he, again, he's like, the the protocol is to save the ship at all cost when we are outside of Federation territory. 
and I'm not going to risk 500 lives for this one person. And then at the end, Picard says, he's my son. And he's like, ah, shit. And it- <laughs> he's like, see, he's just like, ah, right. But like, God damn it. It shouldn't have changed his position. Like, I don't think it did. I think he was just like, oh, this is like almost like he's just as annoyed as we are at how generic and kind of campy the show has become. Like he's just discovering the script. Like, like he's like this. So they hired him. Right. And they didn't let him read a script. They just gave him a character description. They put him on the set and they gave him his blocking and they said, (laughs) now just react to the show. Just react. We're not going to tell you what to say. Just do whatever you would do. (laughs) And that's what they did. And he's like, oh, like he's just as disgusted as we are with the direction of the show and the writing. Um, I don't think they're setting him up as a necessarily brilliant or good captain. I don't think it takes a really good captain to say uh, the lives of the many are better than the life of this con man thief. So I I think the course is clear right now. Uh Um, You know, so I think that I'm, I'm, it's, it's unclear if he's going to do anything really heroic or, or interesting or smart, but as of right now, I, who would argue with giving him over to these people? Right. And their ship looks, their ship looks like a giant claw. (laughs) Right. That does not bode well. No, it's designed for something. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of my point. So why did he hand the helm over to Picard when they didn't discuss any kind of strategy or plan to get out of there yeah i wish i had the answer i know and i do oh okay the answer is they forgot <laughs> but they didn't do that <laughs> yeah well they they everybody skipped the page like it didn't get printed <laughs> and that explanation was in there it's kind of like you know it's it's there's always one page missing from all of these different episodes that ties everything together mm-hmm. that makes it all brilliant mm-hmm. they just keep forgetting it yeah uh, i want to like the show I do too. It's just, I mean, it's just one of those things. So I, I'm okay with the villain. I'm okay with what is she, what is this really about? Yeah. I mean, we're only in episode two and we just kind of just met her. And so I'm fine with, I'm fine with everything that they've established about her so far. There's just been some weird writing choices. Like we just said, you know, coming in at the tail end of their timer being like, Oh, Hey, by the way, if you don't give it to me now, like you've waited 54 minutes, you can't wait these final six. Like, and they, I don't think they did it with the time, but she did come on and she's like, good afternoon. It is the afternoon in the soul system, isn't it? And they don't necessarily, I mean, is, has it ever been established that every starship, and that's not even, a, it's, it, I guess the Titan is a star, it's a Federation oh. starship, so that they all follow the Earth system. I, I would think time. they have to, for the most part. Like, well, all of people, most, of the, it seems like most of the people on the ship are not human. So, I don't know how that works, but I mean, it, it's right. But going through Starfleet, you go to earth and you spend your years there. I assume, like, I don't think that there's intergalactic Starfleet academies, um, but you would actually don't know. Right. But I, I assuming that you would go to earth, you would acclimate to that system. And then once you're on the starships, you're already in that system. But I mean, can you like, otherwise you are intentionally encouraging jet lag when you go from ship to ship. Theoretically. I mean, they would all be on the same system, but are they sharing the soul system, as she said? Right. But we don't know. Right. I guess we do know because Picard handled it for us <laughs> just by writing it into the script, not thinking about actually thinking about what that right, would Right. The ramifications of all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so one of the things that we have complained about before going changing uh, shifting gears like completely is Raffi's basically one note character of recovering addict and i feel like this season i'm i mean we've only known her for two seasons but this season i think has really handled it a lot better you know just in these two episodes when the first episode where she was just lingering holding on to that drug and then dropped it and then this episode meeting her husband and him kind of giving us more detail i felt in a very organic way uh that of her how her addiction came about and what leads to her addiction and why he wasn't willing to support her. Are you talking about the exchange? I actually didn't know that was her husband. Was that her husband? Her ex-husband, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I should pay more attention. But here's the thing I got from that is that he ends up being just as sort of despicable as she is. And I understand that he has a lot of spite for her and that he maybe he doesn't even really intend on giving her any or calling anybody, right? He just wanted to test her. Either way, it was not a very nice thing to do to her because she's obviously very passionate about her job with Starfleet. And it's not like he only has one dime and you have to choose who I spend this dime on. Who do I call? I only have one of them. Right. You know, right. They don't grow on tree. <laughs> well, and so he, he, so he was just being a dick, you know, and I don't, I don't think that that gives him the high ground in this particular situation. You know? No, and that's fair. Yeah. And I I think it was a little bit more of you you need to decide Don't bring me into this. <laughs> you need to decide which one is more important to you. Yeah, I understand. But uh And it's not fair. As as Val Kilmer pointed out so astutely, like he is both Bruce Wayne and Batman. He can't pick one over the other. Wow. <laughs> really <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel of references now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, I was wondering which, uh, which Val Kilmer movie we were going <laughs> for. He is both. I wish I could know. Like <laughs> John Gilmore and the Saint. He's both Iceman <laughs> and whatever his character is in Top Gun. He can't. He cannot be just one Great. of them. He is both Mad Mardigan and the Saint. I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, so we're jumping. All right. All right. Yeah. I thought I thought you would know. You're the one who made a whole video about it. I was like, is Mad Mardigan a nickname? I think. And it's is that one gotta word? be like I can't unless his unless his like first name is Madeline or Madison or something like that, and Mardigan is his last name. Otherwise, his parents are like, his name is Mad Mardigan. His name is Marty. I don't know where he gets this Mad Mardigan stuff from. Also, with the whole drug thing, going to the whole drug thing, the uh, Ferengi, who she goes to meet, mm -hmm. he makes her do these drugs as proof that she does not work for Starfleet, right. and which is stupid. Yes. <laughs> because if that was the only way to tell, <laughs> then then being a spy would uh, end very quickly. Right. Right? It'd be very easy to tell. Yeah. So I would think if you were truly Section 31, <gasps> which is back. <laughs> Did it ever really leave? I, I guess not, but uh, I think the last time we talked about it was uh, a Enterprise episode. Um, 18 years But anyway, ago. yeah, or 18 years from now. No, this is Picard. What am I talking about? I get, I'll get Strange New Worlds all mixed up with, uh, with Picard right. as we watch them in tandem. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So that, that it was so dumb. It was so stupid. It's such a like, oh, well, now she has to do the drugs. Mm -hmm. She has to do them. I felt like they were being creative and trying to put this character through the ringer in terms of her 
being faced with her values versus what she wants to accomplish for Starfleet. Right. Which, by the way, we don't know really what the stakes are with her job. I mean, we know now because something happened like uh, with the portal weapon or whatever that is. Um, but what is she doing? What is her mission? Why was she out there by herself? What's going on? Well, she was out there by herself because she she was told to disengage by her handler. No, I just mean as a as an operative of Section Thirty One. What is she doing? What's her What is she doing? So yeah, I'm just a little confused. I feel like at this point we're a little too much in the dark. Maybe we're going to get a little bit more clarity now that we know who her handler is. Right. The the part for me that bugged me was him coming in and killing everybody. Like yeah, if he is Starfleet, why why would he go rogue like that? Kill everybody with a sword instead of a batleth. Like if he, I don't know. I I hope that some of this is explained more, but there there wasn't really a whole lot of Klingon in there, let alone Worf. So I don't mind him killing people. I'm imagining that Section Thirty One has their has a little bit of leeway when it comes to killing people who are bad oh guys. entirely. But she's not Section Thirty One. I thought she was. No, he accused her of being Section 31. Oh. And, you know, and she just kind of, well, she denied it, but she's not Section 31. How do we know? I mean, I guess we we don't for sure, but I I don't think Worf is Section 31. Well, I mean, I guess this is why he didn't die at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about Worf for a second? Uh, I hated the reveal of Worf. I hated it, and here's why. I felt like the setup was great. They they did a great. It, w- it was a perfectly constructed until the music started, which was a note from somebody of like, we need the Klingon theme when Worf comes in. Not really something that was really associated with him until the movies, until First Contact, by the way, that they started playing the Klingon theme for Worf. Oh, but okay. The Klingon theme was, I think, typically a bad guy theme from the movies, from the like original series movies. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Right. So this whole association between the Klingon theme written by Jerry Goldsmith, <laughs> uh, for the movies and Worf, uh, I think is, is again, who is this for? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think even the next gen fans will necessarily associate those things. Who, who am I to know? But my point being, he's not a superhero, right? You didn't need him. You didn't need the moment where, he pulls his button-down shirt open, and there's a, a picture of Worf. Right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, not necessary. Uh, we know who that is. You don't need to um, to give us the writing on the wall that is supposed to be sort of a big moment. Mm-hmm. But they do that in this show. Yeah. Every moment in this show, they have to telegraph and they have to punch us in the face. With right. It. And I just it, they ruined it. They ruined the the Worf reveal for me. Yeah. I, I just like, was disgusted. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're right. It's it's one of probably like our biggest gripes about this show is they they don't let the audience get it. You know whatever it is. Well, they don't they don't have any they have contempt for yeah. the audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even even with Jack. Like there I saw comments about how beautiful the scene was between Beverly and Picard. Um, about them acknowledging that yes, it was his son, but seeing it, it was so melodramatic. 
of him looking at yeah. her with such a curious face and her averting her eyes and looking away and then him closing his eyes as if he was you know it it stung his heart and then without any words being shared he knows that Jack Crusher is his son which again Jack is Beverly's first husband's name yeah, and I feel like I would want verbal confirmation before I continue forward, right? I understand that you you can say a lot between two people with just a look. You know, when you have – when your relationship and bond between two people are that strong mm-hmm. where even if you've 30, gone, 30 years have gone by and you haven't seen them, <laughs> you can still have a strong bond. I still would want a little bit of verbal – you know, you, you have the scene where she she sort of – she drops her eyes mm-hmm. and he closes his eyes mm-hmm. in – revelation it's like oh and, and confirmation but then i'm like just so we're on the same page right you know <laughs> that was about jack like, being my right. son why <laughs> shaw's like why do you care so much and he's like because he's my son he he, he is my son that, that's what the exchange <laughs> because he's my son <laughs> yes <laughs> he's he's my son yes he's my son <laughs> Nodding, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even Will is nodding. Like <laughs> <laughs> everybody's nodding, like they all knew it. Like he's the last of the party. Right. Or he um, asks. He he says, "Beverly, he's he's my son." And she face palms. And Will and Shaw face palm. And everybody on the crew face palms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to go back. So okay. she uh, Crusher is in a med pod which I think is the first time we're seeing this in the Star Trek universe, or at least we're seeing one. Maybe they're referred to, but I want to know more about this med pod because it seems to be keeping Beverly in some sort of stasis. And is it healing her? Is it doing something to her where it's kind of like the alien covenant? No, alien Prometheus Mm. where I don't know if you saw Prometheus, but there's this like pod that she, that, that one of the characters gets into and it essentially performs surgery, right. but it's a robot mm-hmm. and it's super cool. It's maybe one of the best scenes in that movie. Sure. Is it like that? Is it like sort of a, a doctor pod type of thing where it's actively doing something or is it just sort of a hibernation thing? Right. This peaked up my, uh, peaked my interest. Does it peak my ears? No. It perked my ears up there you go. and peaked my interest. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know what would have helped to make this a Star Trek episode? What? Is if there had been any exploration of that. Any at all. They don't even say what's wrong with Beverly, do they? I know she got shot. Yeah, and I mean, it was kind of implied that she was bleeding out or, you know, it was a a really nasty wound. Yeah, if only there was a doctor that could help her. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to know. I kind of, that, that would probably put it over the, over the edge. I guess there's some moral... Uh, dilemmas happening. There's a big moral dilemma, I suppose. Hey, what do you know? A big moral dilemma for all the characters to face. That's the one thing they got right in this, in this episode. Yeah. Not sure there's any science fiction. No. I still want to know who is the, I guess the race that is assisting the uh, fabulous villain. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Jarok? Jareth? Vadek. her name? Jareth? Okay. <laughs> Jareth. Um, <laughs> All villains now are just going to be Jareth. Also, does she have an accent? Is she is she a human? I know. No, no, I don't know. And it was very interesting. Not entirely sure. <laughs> You're going to say I don't know, and I don't want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of fizzles out. 
And he, then he like sort of Picard takes the ship and runs it off into the nebula. It's like, this was the plan. Right. <laughs> like you think they didn't think of that, that you might do uh-huh. that? I know. I know. Well, yeah. And I think that's partly why she was laughing, you know, and not just, no, uh, uh, getting super frustrated <laughs> that they were leaving. Um, <laughs> I told you right. they would do that. <laughs> I was kind of expecting Picard to have something up his sleeve or one of the characters to have something up their sleeves. Oh, right. Where uh. here's, we've been doing some research, sir. And we sent, we found uh, an exhaust port that we can <laughs> drop a bomb into. <laughs> right. uh, but no, yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, like, like that. not only that, but there was, again, there was no discussion about what this plan was. And, there was that missing page of of scripts where they explained what their plan was to go into that nebula. But Shaw, like after after Shaw finds out that Jack is Picard's kid, he sits down, he lets Picard call Vadik. They like have their conversation, and Shaw hands the controls over to Picard, and you know, like he's like, in which case, I have just one word for you: engage. If I'm remembering correctly, like the crew should have been like, uh, what, what, what's, what's the plan? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Maybe they text messaged to the helmsman (laughs) what the plan was. (laughs) Yeah. There was something kind of cool that ended up just sort of being a nothing that, which was when they threw the ship at the other ship, Mm -hmm. when Vodic threw, because it was a long way to go. And I liked the idea that we're showing our might to you. Like we can just take a ship and throw it at you. Right. This is, they could have just shot phasers at them and been like, Hey, you know, we have phasers. See, but it was a demonstration of dominance on their part. Right. right? Well, and I guess that is a little, a little bit of a sci-fi moment explored because Shaw says like, how the hell did she do that? Or something like that. And LaForge actually says, like my dad said, you can combine a law of physics with another law, law of physics to make a weapon. Right. That doesn't explain anything. That, see, what they did there is they jumped uh, – they skipped half of the Star Trek trope, which is you do a very long scientific techno battle explanation and then you sum it up with an easy to digest little you know, phrase, right? Yeah. Well, she they could, skipped the first one. <laughs> sort of. I mean she could say like you use the law of physics – with another law of, law of physics to make a weapon, and then somebody would say, "Oh, you mean like a?" I'm not going to give an example. I'm just saying that's the phrase. Oh, I was waiting. I, I was know, like, oh, I know you I'm were riveted. You were really silent. <laughs> <laughs> I wish someone had piped up when after LaForge said that and said, "LaForge, you can't say that every time you don't know the answer to something." <laughs> She's like, "That's all my dad said." <laughs> <laughs> He's in a home now. It explains nothing. I don't even know what it means. Right. It's like people people combine laws of physics all the time to do things. Right. So annoying. I mean, it wouldn't have taken. I mean, I guess that was the missing page. It's all in there. Uh-huh. It's all on that missing page. <laughs> I want to find that missing page. <laughs> page, get over here. Explain yourself. Because Page is a person yep. named yep. Page. Got it. P A I G E. Uh-huh. I was with you every step of the way. <laughs> Just making sure. Right. Just making sure. Um, yeah, and that's the that's the episode. They run off, and they and then it goes dark. Yep. And then there's the credits. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm going to still watch the show. It's not like I'm going to say, "Oh, this is 
just too much for me. No, it is it is still to the point where I, I mean, as with every season of Picard, like I'm still good with it. I'm still looking forward to seeing how this goes. Um, I am very curious to see what they do with the Borg from season two. If anything, like they, I've been listening very closely and there still hasn't been anything said about what happened with Girardi and the new Borg. Yeah. I'm, maybe that's, that's what the card up the sleeve ace in the hole. Right. Is that what that means? Yeah. Is there that, and that's why they're saying, that's why they keep quoting and perhaps referencing first contact. Yeah. Because the Borg will eventually play some sort of role. Probably not. Right. It seems like they're just now leaning on nostalgia. Right. Yeah. A little too hard with all of the, cause, cause first contact was the most successful mm-hmm. next gen movie. So yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious what happens. I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, even though it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> What are we watching next week? We're doing episode two of uh, A Strange New Worlds. A Strange New Worlds. Yeah, Estranged Nude Worlds. Estranged fans <laughs> of Star Trek. So I've been Jonathan. And I've been Paul. And this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. A <laughs> uh, little spoiler for what's coming up next week. <laughs>